Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting here on the United Public Radio Network 105.3 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey from the very beginning and hopefully for many years to come. No pressure, Folgers. No pressure. Anyway, a uh, big thank you also to our second sponsor, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, who is an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music. So, of course, right up our alley. His music can be found anywhere that good music can be found. Amazon, Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, you name it, it's there. So, we are having a pre-recorded show at the moment, um, and we welcome the return of Sean Williamson and Wayne Murphy, and they're going to be discussing a new discovery. Um, I think it's sort of one of those things where it's the gift that keeps on giving. So it's it's basically, you know, we're going to have to be careful what is said because there's a lot of people interested at the moment. But we're going to give you as much information as possible. So in order, of course, to participate um, in on the, well, the show tonight, basically, you'll have to hit up all the regular uh, platforms. And I will go over that with you guys tonight before we go live, of course, and uh, or when we're just going live before we play the show. And um, you can catch us on there. Amelia and I, of course, will be in the chat room. You'll notice she's not with me today. She's a little bit under the weather. But from what I understand, she is absolutely having her Folgers. Bam, right there, having her Folgers. And um, she's going to be asking uh, questions from the chat room because for those of you who subscribe to the Outer Realm YouTube, and if you don't, you should be because you'd be able to be catching this show live right now. <laughs> but a special treat tonight also is we're going to be streaming live on the Team Templar North America group page. So for our members over there, we're going to have to watch it. And here, yes, we can actually say, oh, there's no wood. Well, it's a forest. This is kind of lots of wood, but you know, I think you guys know where we're going with that, and we're going to leave it right there. So um, we are waiting for one more guest. We're waiting for Sean, and that should be in a minute. But in the meantime, um, we're going to bring on Wayne Murphy, who is ahead of the game. There we are. Hello, hello. How are you? Hi, Michelle. I'm great. Thanks Good. for having me, us today. Oh, gosh. Happy to have you on board. We're just waiting for Sean to arrive. He came and he went. I'm not quite sure what happened, but 
he'll, he should be on in another minute. So hopefully he's just ironing out some stuff over there. So how how is it? Uh, yeah. How's it going over there with you? How hot? How hot is it? It's very hot here right now. It's uh it's pretty hot. We had massive storms last night. Um, a lot of uh, homes on the reservation got damaged. There was a lot of oh. trees down. Uh, Boulder, the little town nearby, got hit pretty bad. Wow. So Sorry I didn't hear, hear of any uh, injuries or anything like that, but it appears it sounds like there's a lot of uh, property damage and a lot of loss that way. Oh no, terrible, terrible. That's that's not good. I think it's that storm is making its way this way actually. <laughs> so we're battening down the hatches, but it, we're, we're sort of hoping hmm. that it's going to cool things down a little bit as well. So Amelia is going to be asking her her questions um, through the chat room. She's a little bit under the weather today, and uh, I'm hoping at that point we're going to be. I can even respond. We're only streaming on one spot right now, and uh, I can actually respond to her right from the, mm -hmm. right from the main board, which is really hard when we have it streaming on all these different places because one comment sort of goes everywhere, and people are going, "What does this mean?" <laughs> It's like, you know, I might be responding to something in one place and it's like everywhere. People are like, we don't understand. So, um, uh, yeah. Okay. It looks like Sean got his link. I was sure he popped on, but so, um, basically we're, we're going to be discussing the discoveries at team Templar and, I was just saying, oh, it's like the gift, they're, the they're gift that keeps on giving, right? Yes, yes. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to be here today because uh, me and Sean, we've been working on some big stuff. Right. And uh, we're going to tell you some good stuff in a roundabout way. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't wait. I know it's really difficult because there's so many eyes on the site right now um, for their own advancements, really not even, um, yeah. well, I'm, I'm hoping, yes. and I'm sure there are yes, some, yes, yes, yes. There's, there's a lot of people who are really rooting for this site because it's so groundbreaking. So um, I'm really hoping that we will be um, able to, to give a fair amount of information but without giving away too yeah. much. There, there's lots of stuff that's already out there. So. I I think um, every I think everyone will be surprised at some of the things that we're going to tell you today. Uh, me and Sean have been talking the last couple of days about various things, and um, you know, there's such a Templar fever right now that people want to know about the Templars, and it's just booming and all over the place, and everybody's just rooting for someone to put uh, this together. And right. I feel that Sean Williamson and myself can do. Um, there's a lot of old information going around that's being rehashed, replayed, we looked at. But I can tell you, Michelle, um, that Team Templar has put together some really astounding information. And boy, if someone wanted to ever produce a great show, to, to be on the cutting edge of information that's never been seen or talked about. Right. My gosh, this is a, this is a place to be. Well, I know that you have like both of you guys have discussed this with me to a, a degree, you know, we, we've spent long hours going through all of this stuff. And I have to say, it's, it's really 
it's really mind blowing. It feels like to me that it's a missing link somewhere because for those who are really yes. interested in, um, you know, the Knights Templar, there's so much throughout Europe. There's, there's so much even yeah. in Eastern Canada. And I think with even with the lost relics of the Knights Templar with Carl Cookson and Hamilton White, they brought forward a lot mm -hmm. of that information here to North America as well. I think it's it renewed an interest, I think, in, in yes. the topic. Yes. Because all of a sudden I started seeing a whole lot of other shows coming up and even old shows and documentaries being replayed, which tells me there is exactly. a yeah. huge interest in it and people want to know and this is something you know the, the wisconsin site is something that's for it's for us in north america yes this yes right one of the most amazing things about this in uh, the wisconsin site is um you know being a police investigator retired um you work backwards through these things and i started um, working backwards from the site how would the Templars have gotten here, their past and everything? It led me up through um, Nova Scotia, the St. Lawrence and other rivers. And I was really kind of having a hard time um, jumping the waters, you know, to make mm -hmm. that tie in. And then uh, when Sean Williamson comes along, oh my gosh, you know, I talk about synchronicity. It's just like one day he'll send me something. Have you ever heard of this? And I'll say, yeah, I've just been working on that. And I'll send him what I have. And then right. a couple of days later, I'll send him something. And uh, he says, oh, I've been working on it years ago, and I forgot about it. And, and so we pick it back up and throw it around. And what right. has happened, and I say the last six months, is we the stuff that we have come across has now tied the waters together from Scotland down to the St. Lawrence to the the Mi'kmaq, the Abernathy, the Inuits, and the Native American tribes and how they all interacted, the symbolism that's tied into these tribes. Um, you'll find a lot of researchers that say, oh, the Templars were never in North America. Well, mm. somebody carved these uh, cross pate in a stone here in Wisconsin, and somebody built this tomb, and, and somebody built these three other sites. And mm. it's just amazing now to have someone like Sean come along and from his work over there in Scotland and working with Andrew Sinclair and Scott, uh, Sean is sitting on one of the most amazing uh, masses of information from Andrew Sinclair that hasn't even been um, shown to anyone. So we talk about this information and how it ties in mm -hmm. and he's, he's able to send a lot of things with me that no one knows about. It's just, him and myself. Mm -hmm. And this ties in to the ships that they used, um, the symbols that the tattoos on Native Americans, the Templar symbolism. Some mm -hmm. of the symbols on the Native Americans, they were even the same symbols in the, in the prison dome, mm -hmm. you know, where That's the Templars were housed. When you start seeing these symbols show up on Native Americans, you know, in the 1500s. Mm -hmm. And these were not um, discovered by themselves. These were discovered by French Jesuits who drew these, who drew these Native Americans and, you know, by their, by their own hand. So we mm -hmm. use a lot of their
put the research out there that hasn't been washed. And what I mean by washed that hasn't been hidden or just covered up or just don't want to be talked about. So we mm -hmm. worked very hard to find that research. And, and I started a little thing on Team Templar called Bits and Pieces because mm -hmm. we find these things hidden and, and um, you know, just a whole bunch of information and they give just, just enough information that they wanted to make it interesting. And we're able, Sean and myself are able to tie this in to a much greater right. picture and to really expand on it and uh, just take it to a different level. Right, and and you have to be really careful because from from just what, what I've been observing and being being a part of this team and being very diligent about what what is shown, there's a lot of eyes on you. And some of it is, um, mm -hmm. how can we say, I guess trying to, I don't know, save a sinking ship maybe. I don't know. It, it, it just seems to be you get, there, there are other projects going on and it seems like they come to a standstill and they're looking like, where do we yes. go from here? So that must limit you. Well, there was you. just a TV show about that. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. No, I, I said it has to limit what you can actually put out there. Because realistically, if, if you don't, it just sort of makes it look like even though um, it's your discovery and ends up someplace else to make it look like it's somebody else's discovery. And like Amelia says, it's because they know it's real, I think, and people start grasping. They know the information is real and yes. it's stuff that's never yes. been thought of. So what I like about all of this is the fact that... Um, you can't, you you just can't see it. There's a lot of hidden stuff. Oh, there's yeah. a man. Hello. Hello. You made, uh, you made it. <laughs> oh, we've just been recapping. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. <laughs> hey, How are you? There we go. Oh, we're crooked. Oh, there we yeah. go. Okay. Just trying. It again. No, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Just bring it down just a bit. There we go. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Good. How are you? The man of the hour. Yeah, good. <laughs> we were just talking about um the sharing of information and how the two of you have been collaborating very closely on um amassing a great amount of information. But it's very it, it's really sort of sad in a way because there's so much that can be put out there and there's so much stuff that can't be because there are a lot of eyes on you to further their own projects, which takes away from the fact that, you know, this could be your discovery, but if somebody grabs it, it comes out and makes it look like it's not. So mm -hmm. you're essentially having to be careful that you're not working to advance somebody else. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? How do you guys get around that? Whoever wants to go first. Wayne? Um, you know, me and Sean, uh, I was telling Michelle how I'll send an idea to Sean. And then, um, you know, when he has a chance to respond, he said, I, I was just working on that and vice versa. Um, we like yeah. to say our research is kind of oblique lateral. We look at things so differently um, than, uh, you know, other researchers would. 
there's a lot of stuff we look at and we don't discount. And and, and, and Sean is, is sitting on just a ton of information that ties into North America. And we're mm-hmm. able to connect this together. And, and, and a lot of times we, we talk about how can we get this out and let people know that we have such great stuff. And it's all linked together now. I think um, Sean will agree that we've linked this together. And we're just having a difficult time not going outside and screaming, hey, look what we have. Um, without <laughs> hurting our uh, investigation. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Wayne, Michelle. The, the thing is, uh, you know, we've got a supernatural dimension going on here and we haven't been desensitized by heavy academic ivory tower stuff. And that's enabled us to see, you know, a bigger picture in from coming in from other directions and mm. i you know it, it feels like we're, we're we're fated to you know bring out some of this information and fill in a lot of gaps in you know the history the history of of the world in mm. in many ways and i think the approach will uh spread out into other subjects linked to what we're doing but perhaps not directly linked at the moment and you know our our kind of talents uh into are kind of interwoven into each other to present a really good research front that's that's uh that's more than a little different shall we say um yes judging from the meetings that we've had i would say just a little different but I have to say that I'm grateful that there's information out there pretty much that the world has never seen because it's going to be the information that creates the bridge. It's going to be the missing link, I believe, or several missing links. It's not stuff that has been online. It's probably not even stuff that's been in the history books. It's stuff that basically went through research that you were part of, Sean, that, you know, Andrew Sinclair's research, if you want to talk about that a little bit, just to give folks an idea of what's coming. And I know you, Wayne, can't really divulge a whole lot, but just to give people an idea that there is amazing stuff here in the background. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'll, should I take it away, Wayne, just for the moment? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna—I was just gonna say that uh, when I was on uh, Merchant Seaman on the Great Lakes, working for a company called Upper Lake Shipping, you know, I was eighteen or something, and uh, I was going all over the Great Lakes, particularly up uh, in Quebec, Trois Rivières, and mm. past Montreal, where there was a feeling that something had gone on in the past but you know uh i was kind of more interested in having a few beers in quebec city and stuff like that than doing too much heavy research but it was actually my father who was a uh, uh, first mate on with algoma railway uh boats and he'd been reading quite a lot of andrew sinclair's research and he later sent me a book uh sword and the grail saying seek this man out you know 
And I thought that was quite, you know, I was on the same page as him. He was uh, researching all this historical stuff. And, of course, we are descended from gun clan lines. And it felt like something supernatural was happening. And, it, you know, I, I connected into this stuff. And lo and behold, uh, 19, I think I got the book, The Sword and the Grail. I think it was first released, 1992. I was back in the UK at this moment in time. And I started doing heavy research into this stuff myself. Uh, but it wasn't till 1999 when I actually got to meet Andrew Sinclair. Now, that was bizarre because he was in the Clan Sinclair. I was in Clan Gun. I came over from Clan Gun into the Sinclairs because I was working with them on the Castle Restoration Project, uh, kind of as a consultant at the time, along with my own projects. But I was training uh, uh, kids in stonemasonry, uh, you know, people who'd gone gone astray and stuff. And, you know, the Sinclairs took an interest in that from a charitable point of view. But the Sinclair games it was called the Halkirk games that's where I met Andrew and it was just by chance you know he mm -hmm. was there he'd driven up from London and that's how we you know and I said by the way my father you know was a fan of your books and stuff and he told me to uh, get in touch with you and that's how it all began but by that time I was in the north of Scotland you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I became quite very uh, uh, involved with the clan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the Sinclair Study Centre, I carved the big statue of Prince Henry Sinclair. And it kind of all folded around 2016, although the Sinclairs are still dedicated to the cause. Mm -hmm. uh, 2016, fast forward a bit here, because there was a lot of water under the bridge that, you know, I'm going to need a week to discuss about some of the discoveries that we found. Mm -hmm. But uh, 2016, I'd kind of fallen a bit on hard times. And uh, because I, you know, worked with them, done a few favours, I was given licence to go and stay in the Sinclair Study Centre before it got passed over to be, set, be sold. Uh, Ian Sinclair, who was... Uh, who ran our Templar organization there had passed away. And I went to look after what was left of the library. And I also I was able to do private research myself. I found so much uh, about what was going on, navigation to the New World, USA. Uh, I was reading Gunnar Thompson. I was reading, any, you know, about the Piriris map and the global shapes the shape of the what is the true shape of the planet how did that affect navigation and it, it, you know it was quite intense and i was there for six months but informally i was the last keeper of the sinclair study center wow uh, a beacon honor. yeah a beacon or a light lighthouse of of enlightenment for it for, for, for a lot of people and Many, many different people coming together to, uh, uh, you know, further the cause. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, fast forward to 2019. And of course, Andrew Sinclair, who's 
an older man now, he's 86, and he passes away uh, and leaves me, asks me to go to London before that, and he says, you can have all my research. It's, you know, That's and I a took big... a big... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Yeah. No, I said, I was, I'm just like, wow. No, please continue. That, yeah. So there's absolutely, yeah. Because I've been working with him really as a stonemason and a man of stone, as he used to call me, and uh, was involved in a lot of work outside my remit or pay grade as a stonemason because I had a lot of knowledge about building structures and. Uh, I could read stone, you know, I do quite a lot of, uh, you know, replication for museums and stuff, but I also validate forgeries and uh, I'm called in to look at that because I can do it from a technical point of view. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's where we are. I've got all his research. Obviously I can't go into detail about no. it until we're ready to ring all the bells. Right. And, I've been in touch with Wayne for some time, a great set of skills to sort of complement mine with his investigative work and mm -hmm. managerial acu acumen. You know, he knows human nature. He knows what we're going to come against. We've been testing the waters and we just got to not be, you know, coming forward with too much information at the moment because we don't want that to be taken you know yes uh, i i agree 100 percent. Mm -hmm. i mean we've had several meetings about this and it's sad it's sad that it has to come to this point but i don't think well i mean i think we had an idea because of of you know past circumstances that stuff has been leaked out um that stuff has been used yeah. right um like amelia says yes says it perfectly almost like a spiritual warfare and protection i agree yeah that's bang on yeah <clears throat> so wayne we had to, uh, we had to go through some changes uh in team templar um with certain people like any like any investigation group sometimes you just have to you know you got to weed people out and things like that mm -hmm. and it really started to, to um come together between Sean and myself when we really come up with a strong commitment to each other and in our way of thinking it just it was just so natural to work with Sean because it was almost like if I started a conversation he could finish it and if he was thinking something I probably had been there prior I was looking there too and in this last six months Sean I was telling Michelle prior before you got on it's just how many times have we sent each other messages about a subject and you had been working on it or we're looking into it and vice versa. And it's just changed the whole scope of the way of um, the way we look at things and in, in, in our working together. It's just such a natural flow of information. Um, mm -hmm. It's like, it's almost magical, you know? It is. Yeah, yeah, there's no accounting for that. It's just one of those things that, uh, you know, I noticed right from the very, you know, first uh, conversation that we're having about the connection between, you know, the Sinclair Voyages, the Zeno uh, narrative, and the, yeah. you know, the different uh, 
native units along along those areas where the or present in those areas where the Sinclairs and the ancient sea kings, shall we say, the guns had been previously, yeah. uh, you know, as as Vikings. But it's uh, you know history is presenting itself in a different way at the moment, and it's it's like being on a path of discovery for you know something special, something special, without a doubt. Oh, I, I completely yeah. concur with with the whole special special factor with all of this. I, I think that this is something that is going to tie up a lot of loose ends. Let's face it, a lot of history has been kept from us. A lot of history has never been figured out. Therefore, if it's not been figured out, it mustn't be a thing, which, again, we're getting into academia. Um, do you think, yeah. um, do you guys think that a lot of this centers around the Sinclairs because when most people think Templar, sorry, they think Sinclair. They go hand in hand, especially coming here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know the the complete connection between the Sinclairs and the Templars is yet to be fully discovered. But from what I can see, there was. Uh, an inner order that perhaps were in, was involved in other things rather than just, you know, the Crusades, shall we say. Mm. And I believe it was that order that uh, Prince Henry Sinclair was either a part of later, post-dissolution of the order, and there were others involved in that with within the realm of protecting sacred relics uh a bigger remit than warfare shall we say mm -hmm. uh mm. now i was going to mention this previously but i'd found out recently that uh when the paris temple when the templars in the paris temple had decided something was going down with the papacy, shall we say, and the King of France at the time. Uh, they History has it that they went to La Rochelle, and, of course, that's where the Templar fleet that was there uh, was supposed to have set sail from, bearing skull and crossbone flags, so I hear. I haven't found direct evidence of that yet, but... Believe you me, I believe it's on the right track. But the treasure originally came from Cyprus, where the remnants of the main order of Templars, Jacques de Molay, the last Grand Master, mm -hmm. they come from Cyprus to uh, the Paris Temple with that treasure. Now, obviously, close connection to the Middle East there, but it makes sense to me that there was something very, very special amongst that treasure. 50 mm -hmm. carts, so they say. Uh, oh, may, no, maybe I got that wrong. Several carts and 50 knights and an mm -hmm. entourage of men-at-arms and the big fleet which awaited them mm -hmm. to escape. In my opinion, they went mm -hmm. to Scotland. Not mm -hmm. all of them, of course, of the Portugal side of things, but that's not really my area. And mm -hmm. I'm yeah. I'm I'm looking at Ireland, west of Scotland, northeast Scotland, the Orkneys, Shetlands, 
and going across then mm -hmm. to uh, to 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 Wayne, where Wayne set up, you know, the Wisconsin project mm -hmm. and the and the connection about how that all that treasure, shall we say, in sacred relics mm -hmm. went to somewhere else. I believe it's in North America. I I about a yeah about two months ago. Um, me and Sean were talking about these travels, and I came across some bits and pieces of information. This is the first time I ever seen this that the guns, the Xenos, and the Sinclairs were on the same ship and went to five landing spots in North America. I'm not going to say where they landed, right? But thank you. I thought, you know, <laughs> like an investigator, I, uh, I looked at this kind of sideways. Then it said that in Nova Scotia, they found a cannon. And they described this cannon. And then I did the back research on it. And it um, it's in the Maritime Museum. And they described how the cannon was built, how it was banded. And in this side information, it talked about the Xenos and the Sinclairs using this cannon to fight over in Europe. It's the first time that cannon warfare was ever used. Now, this hmm. puts the guns on the same ship. And um, you know about the Westford Knight. Mm -hmm. So yes. this is the first time I ever come across the information of putting all three together. And in the side information, they said there was at least 100 Templars. I don't know if they used the word Templars, but there was at least 100 men on that ship and some of them stayed with the ship and some went further inland and that's and here's here's the the really amazing thing is no one's ever looked at the native american side of it um that's where i come in a, a mohican elder um the native americans in in um, canada along the saint lawrence their history is um you can just see the templar influence um there's there's they have uh, tattoos of cross pâtés, of anchors, of uh, quatrefoils under under persons, and and these are drawn by French Jesuits, and that's a sharing of cross cultural information, and mm -hmm. and we have expanded that Native American history, and showed how the Templars would have worked with Native Americans and influenced. Um, and be allowed to travel further into into Wisconsin and some of the, the, the routes that they took. So mm -hmm. we we're doing we're looking at things that no one's considered. I, I don't believe that's considered, but um, mm -hmm. we 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 see this connection. We we made this connection, and we have the proof of this connection. Well, what I like is that you have also reached out to other. Native American people, both sides of um, the border. And I won't get into that either because that's just that's just extra information. But it's interesting how they're very eager to to work with you on this, and they're giving you other information, which to me just yeah. shows an amazing um, act of unity. And they, you know, they, they have their own oral history. 
And now you're sitting here and, and mm -hmm. you've also been speaking with some of your elders, other elders who also remember saying, yes, I've seen this. And you went out and you found that. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. that was, that, this was just uh, uh, mind blowing. Um, this Native American elder, his son called me. We, he knows about what we're working on in general. Mm -hmm. And um, he says, uh, my dad come across this stone one time when he was working and he gave me a brief description. And, and I was how many like, years ago was that? What? Like how many years ago? Uh, about 35 years ago. Wow. See, there you go. And um, we had, we had a family logging business and we were working back there for years. I started off working in the woods um, when I was about 12 years old. I think I was 14 before I realized my name wasn't Fetch Wood. So that uh, <laughs> I understood the forest, you know, and things like that. And so we had built these roads back there and built bridges and things. And so I, says, I, I said, I got to go talk to his dad. I know him, his dad very well. So I went over and talked to him and I said, Joe, can you, um, can you tell me what you found? So he let me uh, videotape his statement, which is always good to have because it's in the first person. Um, he, he tells me what he found. And I said, could you describe it? Oh, he says, yes, I, I was digging fill for a road to fill up the holes so that the trucks could go in and out. He said, about 35 years ago, and I come across a stone. It was almost kind of rectangular in shape. And he said it was so big, he said it would straighten out the springs in a pickup truck. So, you know, it was very heavy. And I said, well, what was unusual about it? He said there was Roman numerals carved in it. And I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? He wow. said, no, I know what Roman numerals are. And then he tells me um, what they were. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So uh, it wasn't too many days later I went back there and um, I did some research. And I had to go back again to, to just to validate it. And I sent but these pictures. But 35 years later, it's amazing you found it at all. Sorry, I know we have a lag. It was, it's, Yeah. I, I kind of stumbled on it. Um, my brother went with me and uh, we're looking at these rocks because he was able to remember the general location and the road's about two and a half miles long. So you start walking in the woods and start tracing these old roads, you know, that gets a little tedious. But mm -hmm. then we're in the location and then he, he yells, he says, what do you think about this rock? And I'm looking at it and I says, holy man, you know, that could be, you know, you don't know. So I, I take the whole, I take some pictures of it, but then I had to go back. Then I had to look at this, like, again, like an investigator. It's got three things going for it. It's got the same general size. It's in the location and it's got the Roman numerals in it. Um, I don't know what else a person would have to have. So I zing these off to Sean right away for his validation. And um, unfortunately he's, you know, he's in Scotland. He can't be there in first person to, to touch Which, it and see it, but I'll let Sean uh, address that a little bit. What yeah, he's seen from the pictures, if you'd like to. That has to be difficult when you're looking at those and other photos virtually. What were your thoughts on this specific find? Well, you know, like a lot of the 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 uh, the carvings that have been discovered, you know, these have been made by hammer and chisel, in my opinion, and there's ways of examining the photographs. Uh, in terms of, you know, turning them into black and white, looking for 
shadows uh, as well, and changing, you know, changing the uh, the mist and that type of thing on them, you know, polarizing, you know, areas that need to be looked at. So there is a certain amount that you can you can tell, and what I mean, the the numerals. Roman numerals, usually you would see those, for instance, on either as a message or it could also be practical mason's mark for mm. where a certain stone fits, for instance, as well as a message. You know, they most mason's marks, for instance, stonemasons, which the Templars had their own stonemasons. Eh? They, they, the, they took the same oath as the knights. Mm-hmm. it's it's you know they were involved in the creation of you know the the cathedrals in in europe they had their own uh training masters and they had a whole culture of building stones for god you know mm-hmm. and i see signs of that on uh, on the wisconsin site now i pride myself on the fact that my formative years were spent in North America. You know, I'm I'm not just a Brit coming over with uh, an academic mm. view. I lived right. in these places. I visited them. You know, like Wayne, I was in the woods and stuff. I learned to chop wood wood over there from my mm. uh, stepfather, not stepfather, uh, my step grandfather, who was Polish. Uh, and he used when I was over there. He used to go. You need to learn to chop wood, Sean. He said. And then they, from there on in, they called me the young calf. But <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I was brought up and 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 right till up to 2014, I was returning to the USA uh, to Duluth. You know, you know, as a as a visitor, and sometimes staying up to three months. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I've, I've got a great connection with with Canada and North America, and especially from being on the lakes as well. But I believe that that's part of the fate of uh, what's happening now in terms of meeting uh, Wayne. And uh, it's you know, it's it's quite unusual when you start looking back in your own family tree and you realise that there's some anomalies as well because. One of my ancestors lived in Canada who uh, was making uniforms. He was a tailor making uniforms for the the British uh, for, I think, what maybe the War of Independence or something like that, hmm. and then returned back to the UK, but of Scots descent. So there's a lot of stuff there here for me to, to resolve, but resolving it, is bringing the bigger picture into focus as well. So it's a it's a win win situation, and and then the obviously the connection with Wayne. But just back to the idea on the uh, the chisels and why stonemasons marks are generally straight. Usually, a stonemason when he's finished his work or job to get paid, he marks that work and it's examined by the master mason who says. Oh yeah, this is good enough, Jack or Bill. Mm-hmm. That's that's worth twenty-five shillings, and he gets paid. Mm. But a mason's mark is designed to identify the person through craft pride 
of what is created. And also there was a bit of a cipher code going on as well, which you see in Templar cipher codes as well, you know, mm. and it kind of merges. It needs, I need to do a lot more investigation on Mason's marks. There's more to them than meets the eye, you know. Do you think if it, like if we're talking about Mason's marks, um, do you think that there's something more to be found in that area? Oh, oh yeah, I think they'll. I think it's probably, you know, it's going to be covered in Mason's marks or, you know, a code, a cipher which they would use. You know, they didn't obviously they didn't have any form of technology we know that and so they mm -hmm. would mark stones for mm -hmm. the people that were following behind you know right how if you if you if you're venturing 100 miles probably Wayne knows more about this than me but if you're going 100 miles into the woodlands you have to have a path you have to be able to mark where you've been for other people to have an idea of where you're going you know mm -hmm. and i believe yeah. that on the wisconsin site we're going to go into that, but some of the navigation type wheels that are are on the uh, the Mohican site is just it's like oof, you know I've got hair standing on the back of my neck, you know after seeing them. Right, right. Well, I know I've seen some images myself, and it's just been like you sit in awe and you realize that oh my gosh, this is something very spectacular it's just going to be i don't know to me whenever history gets revealed as it should yeah. I'm, I'm of course i love history but it's also very personal for me also with all of this yeah. but it's you know living near the great lakes and seeing you know coming in from the northern part you know northern canada and just seeing what kind of a feat it would have been to get <laughs> from, let's say, the East Coast through, you know, coming in through Central Canada or coming in even through the St. Lawrence, because living near the Welland Canal and seeing what a lot of these these Lakers and ocean liners have to do to get over to where, let's say, Wisconsin would be, and knowing full well that mm -hmm. they could only go by water for so long before they would have to go inland on foot so that's yeah. to me it just shows you the grandeur of of what they were up against you yeah. know one of the the most amazing things about the wisconsin project is and uh, working with sean and, and yourself is that we get a chance to tell the true stories about two cultures of people um no one's ever looked at the native americans in this way and the accomplishments that they've done and how they assisted the Templars um, in coming by backtracing these these routes. Um, just a quick reference to the Roman stone, as I call named it, just for a name. Mm -hmm. I, I I marked that in, in line junction with the other sites, and I, I'm feel, I'm leaning very heavily that it's a marker stone um, because the way it lines up. And then when I line up the other sites, there's five. There's a building site too that. Sean hasn't even been to yet, and there's probably 200 cut stones and some of the key ways that they they made there is just amazing. So mm. when I backtracked all of this and linked all of these sites together, they they form a line of travel, 
and they're following the waterways. And they would have been shown these waterways by the Native Americans. There would have had been very little portaging that they would have had to do to go all the way from down the St. Lawrence through the Great Lakes and up into Wisconsin. And what people sometimes don't realize that during that time, the portaging wasn't as, as difficult as people would have thought because the great pines uh, that covered the United States, um, you know, they were four or five feet across and they're, you know, they were spacious. There wasn't mm -hmm. all this ground cover that you see today. And the Native Americans, they knew all of these trails. They had massive trading uh, trails all the way from uh, Mexico, all the way up to Canada, all the way up to, to Nova Scotia. So they understood these, these routes very well. They've been using them for thousands of years. They were mm -hmm. trading obsidian, they were trading gold, moving copper. And it, there's all of these things, for some reason, and I always bring this up, when the Templars met the Native Americans, the Native Americans must have been impressed enough by the type of people that were, they were because they were tattooing their foreheads and their bodies um, with the Templar crosses, mm. the quatrefoils and anchors and pyramids up, up you know as above and below mm. um, you see the work of the enigma um, in her work she's a poet and and, and she's got the eight-pointed cross she's got the jerusalem cross uh, she's got the steps of the, the temple you know the three crosses you just can't make that if anybody who doesn't make that connection to the native americans has missed a great deal and that's what mm -hmm. team templar is really about is taking these great cultures and looking through the chatter and just using the most simplistic way to look at it in the truthful way and making these great connections that I feel we have. Mm -hmm. I agree. Amelia also makes a good point. Obsidian is a stone of protection that, and yeah, among, among, among others, it, but it is one of the most probably widely used and well-known. So it's interesting that, um, you know, falls into all of this mix without a doubt. Um, well, well, Wisconsin has no obsidian, and they found obsidian in, in some graves. And the obsidian, hmm. they were able to trace it back to Washington State. Hmm. And, you know, that just, just proved that there was travel. Sean, I got to ask you to tell this story about your experience with the Abernathys and how... They wanted you to yes. look at a doctor. This yes. is fantastic. I'm sorry to jump around. No, like this. this is this, this is good. It's a good story. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. Uh, I was. I I returned to the USA to Vermont, and I was staying near Lake Lake Champlain. It was actually winter, and uh, the Abenaki were uh, fishing on on the lake you know and i never went out onto the lake but i was watching them in specifically and i got talking to the then uh, custodian uh, chief of the tribe which was the the old chief's daughter you know and we were going to think about a project for what how they could learn to carve uh, their own grave marker symbols with clan clan symbols like porcupines and you know some of these animals I've, I've, I've not even heard of but 
you know, wolf and bear all denominated and marked. And, uh, you know, they weigh you up. They weigh people up. They've got like a sixth sense, I guess. And, you know, these are, these are, these are people that are tuned into the land. And, uh, you know, so I felt like there was a rapport going on between us, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I was honoured enough to be shown their uh, mantra, shall we say, of life. And, you know, I learned a lot from them. And then they said, by the way, we want you to come to our museum. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. And we went over and I heard the abysmal news that their native uh, females had been sterilized. Many of them had been forced sterilized. I don't know the exact date, but it mm. was probably nine, maybe 1910 or maybe 1920 or something like that. So, of course, I, you know, this was this was news to me. And then they said, "But we know who we know this guy who did it, and we know who his line is, and we because we trust you." If you find any of his or know any of his ancestors where they are, he said, let us know. And they had a portrait painted by one of their own that was perfect. But this was the guy that was responsible for sterilizing uh, everybody, uh, the, 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 the females. And uh, so I was honored in a way by them you know, showing me this portrait and, you know, could I help bring him to justice somehow or, or what he'd done? So, of course, I, I, you know, that was probably family, you know, it was, it was, it was tricky. Yeah. But it yeah. was, uh, you know, I really felt for them. And I'm sure that if I go back that, uh, which I will, we'll be, I'll be doing some more work with the, with the Abenaki on, uh, with, with, learning about their culture as well as helping them learn stone carving. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad. It's just one of many stories, in my opinion, of, of corruption. But you know what? I think we're living in a time now of, of truth. I think people are fed mm -hmm. up. And now is the time for truth. It is a time to come forward and yeah. somehow make things right before, you know, before even more information gets suppressed, right? Yes. Because you see it's it happening. It's a time happening. of great discovery. Yes, yes. So and, now the, and, sorry, go ahead. And, and very often you don't get to work with uh, like-minded people like yourself and Sean and Amelia. And uh, I just a uh, quick mention uh, about another gentleman who's helping uh, with research, Ken Kesser. He's been a great yes. assistant to me in research. Um, yes. And I just like to thank him for his help. Mm -hmm. But you get, we're all sitting here today, like-minded people. We want to tell the truth. We want to tell the story. And we have such great facts to tell it with. And, it, and it's not made up stuff. It's not trying to throw smoke out there. The smoke and mirrors look over here, you know. This is some hard, hard evidence. It's, it's, it's in granite. And like Amelia said, no wood, so we're pretty lucky. 
it's been hard enough evidence that people have been snagging it <laughs> and trying yes. to dig for more. And in some cases with lack of integrity. Um, but I think with that being said, you can't dispute what's there. And there's, that's just what you see. You can imagine how much hasn't even been uncovered. You have five sites right now. Oh. Five sites, right? Yeah. Um, what can you say about the five sites? And then I'll get to a couple of other questions in, um, with, from Amelia. Um, Whoever wants to go. The first yeah. site I found was, was 40 years ago. Was I just thought it was a cave. And then the second site, site two, was actually a cross pate carved on a rock. Well, that brought me back to the first site, the tomb, the cave. And as I examined it more inside of there, you could um, you could see three crosses carved. Mm -hmm. Well, thinking logically and how people would travel back then following the river, went across the river where I know these large stone structures were, these large rocks, and started investigating there. And a couple of years of um, checking these rocks out, you can you can see starts of what animals were carved into rocks, and Native Americans didn't didn't carve granite. So it was mm -hmm. kind of I think it was kind of like an honor that they were carving these animal symbols into these rocks for them, in appreciation. And then right next to it, there's a there's a carved Latin fish. I, I mean, come on, you know where do you, where do you mm -hmm. get this? And then a short distance away um, is the Roman stone right on the same river. And then going back the opposite way, I won't give directions. Um, we've got the building site. There's got to be at least 200 cut stones. And I, I know I've I found three keystones and, and some other stones that are, they got to be rectangular shaped a foot and a half by two and a half, three feet long. And 18 inches wide. Mm. I, Sean can guess right on that better than I could, but, and they're lifted up out of the ground, they're quarried out of the ground, laying there. And you've seen some of them pictures, Michelle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They're very impressive. Very impressive. And you see the connections going back to, you know, a lot of the European carvings, would you say, Sean? Yeah, a lot of European symbolism. Um, yeah. You know, I really need to get over there to, you know, to take some uh, uh, molds and silicon uh, molds so that we can see what's in them, uh, you know, make a, a reverse image, shall we say, because most of that carving is incised apart from the, the, uh, the wheel cross, the navigational type aid. Mm -hmm. Which was, uh, which was, I, I know about this. It, uh, every time I see it, you know, it's something that I've studied in great depth. You know, I was involved with lost relics of the Knight Templar validating stones up at Kilmartin, and where there is a, a, an actual ring cross Knight Templar tombstone, which is without a doubt a Templar tombstone amongst gallo glass. Uh, uh, Scottish Norwegian cultural mercenaries. What mm -hmm. was I mean? This is this is around the same time as Bannockburn, mm -hmm. and you know 
again, there was speculation about the Templars. Well, it's more than speculation. There's some hard, hard evidence coming to light now that they were involved in Bannockburn mm -hmm. fighting with the Scots against the English. One mm -hmm. particular tombstone which I I visited, it, you know, rings all the bells, and I can prove that the exact type of tombstone this particular ring cross is totally verified from a, another site in Edinburgh, which a mm. friend of mine, uh, a, a master stonemason, discovered and sent me the pictures. Mm -hmm. And not only that, by chance, he also connected to Ian Sinclair without any not knowing the connection to me. So, I mean, he was living in the northeast of Scotland, mm -hmm. and by chance he was at this particular place where he met this guy, by chance, if you can call it that. And yeah. so you've got two, two forms of, two, two forms of tombstones. You've got the ring cross tombstones, mm -hmm. which disguise a Templar cross, and you've got the ring the ring cross not the ring cross the uh eight pointed uh steering wheel cross i call it or ship's wheel cross mm -hmm. which is also mm -hmm. uh being previously used as a navigational aid and that comes on the later templar tombstones post dissolution which i believe prince henry sinclair was involved with mm. uh so I've, you know, I, 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 again, I've got, I've done a, a, a ten thousand word paper on them, which major Scottish major heritage organisations use now to validate Templar symbolism. So, you know, and I'm not an archaeologist or an academic. You know, I've got mm -hmm. a good degree. I've got, I'm a technical expert to some extent, and mm -hmm. I've got a, a good way of approaching problems. But when I saw some of the symbolism on the Mohican uh, site where Wayne is an elder, where yes. I was privileged to see them, you mm -hmm. know, I'm saying, I'm thinking, well, you know, they're not carving a symbol of an apple here. They're not, they're not carving uh, a wolf head. They're not carving uh, anything that looks like a, shall we say, a longbow or, you know, these are all symbols that I've seen before in in context to building design and building stones being marked with uh, stonemasons chisels you know purposely mm -hmm. for a reason so you know it's we can't diminish what these stones hold uh, but to me you know the the what shall we call it the edifice that uh, uh, is on is on the mohican site has this how was this stone reused was it there prior to the, this is the thing that i'm fighting with at the moment to me mm. it looks very very mm -hmm. similar to an older culture has been there and yeah rebuilt by a medieval culture shall we say with knowledge of how to move stone how to cut it how to mark it you know mm. In order to mark granite with a chisel, you need a good, very good tempered tool, tempered in a special way to actually cut it. Mm -hmm. I see I'm looking at V-cut incisions uh, all over the place and, you know, a lot clearer several hundred years ago than they are now. But we can still 
take casts of what's there and get an idea. But I think this is the beginning of something else. I think it's I think it's the path to the discovery of where the Templar relics went in North America somehow. And you know, I've also been working with uh, previously with another guy down in uh, New Mexico that has got fabulous stones as well. Uh, what I would call mark very similar to some of the carvings on, uh, shall we say, a renowned uh, a, a renowned teaching aid. I can't go into detail with this stuff now because no, it's just going to give the show away. No, of course. Um, it's uh, we have to. Our challenge at the moment is to get this information together, uh, which is what we're in the process of doing, so that uh, we can sign, seal, and deliver it. You know. I agree. Uh, Amelia yeah. asks, "Do either of you struggle with telling it all?" <laughs> oh my gosh. Every day. <laughs> Every day. I'd like to run outside and I'd like to call everybody I know and tell them. Um, yeah. That's, last summer, we uh, I was able to find a navigational wheel. And seeing the Roman stone and the navigational wheel and everything, it's it just making sense that they were following this river. And... It's we got five points of pattern now, five points of travel or five points of activity. And I have to, Sean, I have to agree with you. I think the tomb site itself was probably revisited twice. Right. Um, it was repurposed. And I, I think I'm just going to throw this out there. I think the Templars came back at a different time because they knew of this area. I had learned of it and then came back and put their marks there. That's the sense I'm getting after, you know, I find a cross pate, I find the crosses in the tomb, I find the, find the navigation wheel, and I was led to uh, the Roman stone. Mm. I, I, I want to scream, somebody please bring your cameras and, you know, come take a look and let's change history. Yeah. Well, it would. I mean, I don't think people understand the magnitude of what this is really going to entail once you get full into it. And once the right puzzle pieces come into play and the right people come into play, um, I really think this is going to be something that's, that's people have no idea. You know, they just have no idea. You don't even have to have an interest in the Knights Templar because some people might think to themselves, okay, well, that's great. You know, but they don't realize it's a substantial yeah. part of North American history because there's a lot of stereotypes when it comes to both, for example, the Templars. I've had to correct people many times on just that. Okay. There's stereotypes when it comes to, yeah. um, you know, the North American Indian people. There's, they don't realize, like, no, no, you know, there, there was a lot of, a lot of working together here, being welcomed with open arms, you know, like there's, there's, yeah. it's a story of, like you said, two people, many people, cultures, because the Knights Templar came from cultures from all over, 
Europe and England and even going back as far as like the Muslims. Like, I mean, they were really all over the place to turn around and then basically just act as though this is a very inconsequential piece of history. I think people are going to be very, very surprised. Um, Amelia here has another question. We know it's difficult to dispute the evidence where there is truth. You will find trolls. Yes. Are you prepared for the naysayers? Yeah, I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I think we can handle them. You know, Andrew Sinclair had, had all that. And, you know, they come, they try to, uh, unhinge you or do that but we'll you know we'll steer this ship steady through the storms or whatever and uh, i don't think we'll we'll have a problem from that but a good saying is what's meant for you won't go past you and i truly believe that we're on to uh, an immense voyage of discovery which right. is for everybody it's not us we're we happen to be involved at the rock face but you know, others will join us. I'm sure other people are going to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's not something that's the, you know, uh, the place where only the people from the ivory tower can be involved. This is going to be involving everybody. And I think that will bring more discovery than anything else once we get everybody mobilized, you know? Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think it will yeah. open other doors you know, moving forward, because we have to figure out, and I'm sure this has crossed everyone's minds, I know it surely has crossed minds, where did they go when they left Wisconsin? Was that a final stop? I I don't know if they did. Um, Okay. It looks like they were trying to stay here because all of the cut stones that have been worked, that's kind of my... um, my feeling because no one's going to take this time to quarry and, and cut all of these stones. If you're just passing through, you're going to tread lightly. And it wasn't their land to, to build on. They, they would have to get permission. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you were talking about the naysayers, there's this one researcher, he contacted me and he's got about seven, eight books. And, oh, he was telling me there's no temples here, templars were never here, and your work is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And I said, you know what? I said, you're still trying to prove that uh, uh, that, Sir, uh, that Bacon was Shakespeare. I says, I, I can't deal with that. I says, I can only deal in granite and, and the crosses and the marks that are in that. Mm-hmm. And he just what to say after that the proof is in the pudding son right there (laughs) (laughs) i gotta say if it's there you know it's not like like the native american people were going to go starting to put these carvings with tools that they didn't have and with carvings that they maybe were just starting to get an understanding of yeah Right, which you get an understanding of if you're integrating with another people or a culture. Excuse me. You were learning from one of the earliest contact. Yeah, the earliest contact would have been up in Canada along the Nova Scotia and St. Lawrence. And that's where we see a lot of that symbolism in their work, their artwork, um, tattoos and things like that. Right. And 
and that spread further in, in, in inland because um, the Stockbridge, Munse, Munsey, however you want to say it, was a French name for the Stockbridge, which wasn't even the correct name for it, for that tribe of Indian, uh, the Narragansett in southern New York. That's where my grandmother was from. Um, they always talked about the legend of corn hair and um, how that uh, John Sargent, who was a missionary, um, was missionarying to the Indians and trying to get them to the Gospels and the Dutch in Hudson Bay, and they just adamantly refused. And, 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 they, and they said, well, why are you refusing? Why are you pushing back so hard? Because we're afraid of the people in the longboats that would come back and punish us. And they were referring to the Vikings. Mm. So these travels had, had went on, um, you know, in the late 900s, early 1000. And and these people knew of these travels. They left their they left these these maps for others to follow, which the Templars followed. Mm -hmm. And there's one account where they found four Jewish phylacteries that were sealed in leather in an Indian graveyard that was dug out by Joseph Merrick. I should I should well I said his name now, so it's too mm -hmm. late. The Indians, they didn't have no use for these. They wouldn't be writing Jewish phylacteries in original Hebrew language. Someone had to bring that there and give that to them. And it was, you know, this a gift, a, a gesture. So mm -hmm. these travels were happening. And I, I, I really have to, to agree with Sean. I think there was more than one travel back to Wisconsin. I think there was actually a couple to uh, work the tomb and move these stones and and uh, the Templars came later. Sean, what's your thought? Yeah, well, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I'm just trying to picture myself back in the day, you know, and you would have to establish uh, a keep or somewhere that was uh, that you could cover and you know build around it with with stone, even if it had been already there and pulled down or something I, who knows but and I, whatever they 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 needed a place to keep what they were moving you know they were they would they would probably have to rest and recover you know this is this is intrepid voyage but that was what was necessary to escape their enemies you know they were they wanted to establish a new jerusalem and that thought process would be going through their minds post dissolution of the Templars. You know, they still had whatever they found, you know, which we'll go, we can go into that later. But when you see the, the tomb site, for instance, first thing that just struck me was that the boulder itself, it's like a tomb opening. It's, perfectly rectangular it would be a great place to store one particular type of artifact and also from in a in a, a scientific way because uh you know dense stone like granite would protect against rays or radiation and and, and those types of things and the more i read into history the more i realize that you know if you look at the bible we're looking at a we're looking at a very strange, in, to some extent, scientific experiments going on with weapons that, 
you know, of biblical uh, stature. It's it, it's we limit ourselves in this in in the way that we assimilate information. It's we need cultural changes to to become enlightened to what we are about. And I think the Templars were ahead of the game, uh, mm. you know, at the time. And mm. you know, the no wonder they were running, you know, uh, trying to get away, uh, especially in 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 England and, and and Scotland, because the you know the the papacy had sent in the the Inquisition. Mm -hmm. And they caught Templars and they tortured them and they extracted information. That was all part of the process, no? Mm -hmm. uh, this, had, this was going on. And yes, of course, they'd want to escape with the sacred relics and what they had to safe places in the world. And they had the maps. Of course, they made decisions. They had a, a, an inner circle, I think, making those decisions. And they had a vast, huge resource of vessels. Of course, they were going to use that. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've actually just been reading about that now, you know, and uh, the, the the temple vessels, and they were they were using, uh, they were either contracting in, uh, shall we say, favoured groups to help them transport pilgrims to the Middle East. Or they had their own vast network of vessels, in the same way that uh, the Knights Hospitaller also had uh, uh, ships in the Mediterranean. They they transmuted to, to, in my own opinion, into a sea power post dissolution of the order, and that enabled them to travel to unknown areas as far down as Chile, as far as I'm concerned, because I've seen the evidence down there as well. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to. Uh, I was down there for several months investigating anomalous sites there, also. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, we've got we've got things that we're we're, we're keeping our powder dry to some extent. We're not going to release all that information. No, no, no. I, I want to, you know, but it's no, like no, I know, it, no, you're not. <laughs> You know, it's like back, get back, get back. I know. I know Is he cracking like, the whip at you right now? Get back, yeah. <laughs> really, you in? No. Yeah. Oh, it is really difficult because there is so much exciting things happening with this site. And it is going to be not just mind-blowing. It's going to be groundbreaking. It's going to change history. And I think that needs to happen History needs to be told. Proper history needs to be told. Yeah. And unfortunately, too much of it was suppressed. And I think, Amelia had it right. I think the world is ready. I think people are fed up with being, you know, with everything just being pushed aside and being told half-truths or no-truths. Or it's time, you know. We live in a time that, don't you think it is about time that people yeah. start being told the truth? Come on. Like, yeah. it's been it's kind of how a, many thousands kind of, an, of years? An awakening. You know, it's kind yes. of an yeah. awakening. That's a good way to and, put it. And, 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 the, and to, to tell you how far this has gone, uh, about six months ago, 
I get this uh, message from a guy from Rome. He mm. says, "Are you the Wayne Murphy that uh, that, uh, that found that that Templar cross pate in Wisconsin?" I said, mm. "I guess I could be. Uh, how can I? You know, what do you what do you want? <laughs> you know, because mm. uh, I don't know anybody in Rome." But uh, he heard about it, and we talked a little bit, and then he um, he sent me a pair, uh, a triangle picture that's on a column in a Templar church in Rome. It's the exact same one in Wisconsin. So I sent that to <laughs> Hamilton White and uh, and uh, Sean, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just perfect. You know? And in Hamilton and his travels, you know, with Templar artifacts and stuff, he says, "Yeah, Wayne, I've seen that many times." He says, and it's just he says, "I've matter of fact, he said I noticed a lot of marks in Wisconsin site from the pictures that you shared with me, mm-hmm. you know, because Hamilton he's on our team. Mm-hmm. so." Yeah, people are coming together already and sending you information just randomly. Yeah. To yeah. show you how far reaching this really is. Right? So Yeah, and they're they're from I, talking to people from all around the world, you know, um, mm-hmm. wanting to know more and obviously um, they ask me, they, they send me questions about their research when they should really mm-hmm. be talking to Sean, you know, Sean's mm-hmm. my mentor. He, he, he kind of guides me along. I've been able to stumble along and find a few things, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, these people are asking questions about their work and, you know, mm-hmm. if I can help, I can help. I'm always willing to help, mm-hmm. but there is such a hunger to know what's really happening out there. There's, and, and, and I, th- I think that Sean and, and yourself and, and luckily for me, we're in that time where we're given this great gift and we, sh- we should be able to tell it now and bring it forward. It's a calling. Absolutely. Uh, vocation. And I, I, just by way of example, there was, I, I was talking to Wayne recently and I mentioned that, you know, the, the Vikings were were not just pillages and the, you know the Netflix stuff and all that. Uh, they were also intrepid explorers and had you know navigational maps and they had methods of navigation that were outlawed actually, like lodestones and you know pieces of metal floating on 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 water that would give them mm-hmm. north, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's really where my old man came into all this because he was uh, involved in the Canadian Coast Guard and he wrote policy for them. But you know, he was he, he was into navigation from being fourteen when he started at sea. So I managed to lift quite a lot of information from him just quite naturally. But recently, mm-hmm. I found that in Scotland on the locks in some that were spaced close together uh viking ships would investigate where they would could perhaps settle peaceably they they ended up settling peaceably at certain times and they had a smaller type of vessel which was which maybe you know for 15 sorry 16 to 18 men or something like that and women and they would explore with these smaller vessels and 
recently a big heritage organization has come up with the fact that they potaged their these vessels by dragging them from one lock to the other and but when they came across originally from say norway they brought ballast stone ballast with them and these stones have been identified on the side of locks where they dropped the ballast to make the vessel as light as possible so that it could drag them over you know a land a land area of you know it could be 500 yards to perhaps even half a mile wow. and by identifying that this stone was not indigenous was not from scotland you begin to build up a picture of what was going on and what was happening it wasn't just about viking pillages and warfare they were exploring and of course it was a they had a a frontiersman approach to world uh, exploration as well and that never went away because a man put a cloak a cloak on with a red cross on his heart you know it was mm -hmm. this was about finding finding interesting places to live and exist in 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 sort of harmony as much as possible with nature and i also another thing that i found as well which this will interest you because i'm still i sent to wayne some of the details I had privilege to see a university paper from the USA, which identifies purely carved stones, not from this country, from Europe, and in certain areas which were discovered in forests in North America. This is a mm. university paper. Mm. Now I've, I've got a, I've got half the paper. It also identifies uh, European language as translated through native american language wow. so yeah and wow. uh, so you see there's a, <laughs> a cross-cultural symbiosis thing going on i'm screaming inside that. just so you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I am. and uh so you know this is i i'm i'm looking now and thinking well, what was the true nature of those natives in North America? Where did they come from? Where were the connections? What groups were they connected to? Mm -hmm. This is an interesting set of history, isn't it? And oh. Oh, what yes. goes around comes around. And mm -hmm. you may find, we may find that the connection emanates from the same source. I I am just speechless with this one. Um, that is fantastic because it all again it shows an active network. There was like networking um, going yeah. on between different different tribal people, and yeah. I mean to to come out and like <laughs> I have no words to come out and do a university paper. It shows significance because. Why would they otherwise? Seriously, like there has to be yeah. something there. When when Very you talk simple. about explorers and things like that, when yeah, when uh, people I know go you're limited. And, and um, yeah, we got a little time lapse here with the internet. We do. Uh, yeah, when people are going out exploring. They don't. 
if they don't know their creator, they'll go look for their creator through the creation. Mm -hmm. And man is driven by that. Um, as much as he may not want to realize that there is a creator, he's always looking for him and through other things. And Native Americans were able to see the creator through the creation. And just about anybody who is a great explorer, they're unsettled in themselves because they can't find that creator. So they go looking for creation to explore. And in that mm -hmm. creation, they eventually find the creator. It just comes mm -hmm. full circle, you know. It does. It does. On that note, we're going to make a very quick station ID. You guys are listening to The Outer Realm with Sean Williamson and Wayne Murphy. We are discussing, of course, uh, the Knights Templar in North America. We're discovering or talking about this new discovery in Wisconsin. There's so much um, I wish we could just share but it goes to show you how much is being shared tonight and how much more there actually is. Uh, we are fully sponsored by uh, the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee and Dr. Snick, a.k.a. the Sonic Surgeon. And we're going to have a little treat for you guys because Wayne sent us in another commercial. Here we go. I'm going to play it right now. Good morning, everyone. Wayne Murphy and Sean Williamson from Team Templar North America. When it comes to change, we're all about change, especially when it comes to changing history. But there's just one thing that we won't change, and that's the good taste of Folgers coffee in the morning, or any time, as a matter of fact. Taste that you can count on, just like the history that we plan to change. Folgers is a history of its own. That will never change. Have a good day, everybody from Team Templar, North America. Folgers. Love it. <laughs> Woo, I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, excellent, that. Exactly. Excellent. How'd you like that one, Bubbles? <laughs> She's having internet problems. She's on her phone. There's a storm rolling over. But no, that was fantastic. I keep telling people, send in your commercials, you know, and I thought it would be appropriate to go ahead and play that um, tonight. So there it is. There you have it. Yes, Team Templar North America did something special. Got the banner in the back, not the usual banner. So we're very excited about this. So where do we go from here now? I mean, there's a lot of discoveries to be made, obviously a lot of validating. Um, so why don't we start with, with you, Wayne, because your boots on the ground right now. So what, what are your plans moving forward in the next, the next little bit? Let's, let's, we'll narrow it down for you. Maybe the summer months. <laughs> I think one of the things that we really need to do is is let people know how legitimate we are and, and we're not just gonna if we're gonna tell you a story, it's gonna start out like this once upon a time. And this right. is not that kind of a story. And we're we're looking for financial support, obviously, and someone to, to produce this and direct this and bring this to fruition. I don't have the skills to do do that or the monetary aspect to do that. It can be a great documentary, and this will not only encompass Wisconsin and the St. Lawrence and, and the Native Americans along the way, 
this this goes to to Scotland to to Roslyn Chapel that goes to the Shetlands, you know, and we can show the connections of say something as simple as beads that were found in Alaska are just they look exactly like the same beads that were found in Shetlands and and graves. And Sean has talked about these same type of beads being found, and I believe it, Sean, wasn't it in um, Templar coffins? So we're looking for that person, persons, studio, TV company, whatever. Come on in, give us a hand and be part of history. You know, change, help us and to change. you have to contact this right. guy. It's not going to be as easy as you think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it will definitely be worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> right. and, and so as you move forward then, um, obviously the objective is to find more discoveries. We have five so far. And you're going to keep moving forward and seeing how many more you can find, how they're all connected. And then we move to Sean. So, Sean, over the course of the next few months, what are you going to be hoping to achieve with all of this? Well, you know, I've got a well, I would imagine, of uh, information that's not been released. And I know that there's a bigger path sort of opening up and i'd like for us all at team temple to have a starting point in the north of scotland and i think that would be great spiritually for for us all you know for wayne as well but to to see where all these adventures and voyaging started from and just by the very nature of that, then perhaps that will reawaken something else. But I could see how, you know, media would be very interested in that prospect. And uh, especially with specialized knowledge that would be revealed on this, mm. in this situation for us all. And you know, I'm, I, again, you're the media person, Michelle and Amelia. I mean, the idea would be to, you know, travel all over the north of Scotland to the Orkneys, to the Shetlands, and then, of course, across to Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Newfoundland and Nova Scotia as well mm. uh, en route. So... It's nothing, I don't think it's a, a big ask in the world of media to transport people to these different sites to make something uh, with something great with the knowledge that we've got. But we're not going to give that knowledge away. It's, we, you know, we'll keep it and it will be, you know, saved, enshrined in a book, for instance, or whatever. Mm. But, uh, you know, I would imagine that a really good media company will pick this up at some point through your well, coming, help. Coming from someone who spent like two decades in media, um, I can assure you there's a lot of different steps that need to be um, to be observed. And I think also knowing media as I do, that whoever takes this on or whoever we choose to take this on, because there are a lot of eyes on this already. We already have said no to you know one or two prospects 
because it does have to be done properly. It can't be done with just a formula. It can't be done to save something else. It needs to be handled on its own merit for what it is. It is a story that is, it's a story that, that happened and needs to be told, not just from the standpoint of the discovery, but from the standpoint of, of cultures coming together, working together, and, and how it evolved, because it's still evolving. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here today from three different countries <laughs> talking about this, yeah. this discovery. It, it's just... It's evolution, it's awareness, it's awakening, it's people. It's a story of people. And it has to be told with integrity, which is something that, you know, I, I think has, has lacked in some forms from the, the onset and is now, you know, everybody has to have integrity. It can't be one person. The entire team has to have that integrity. And it has to have the belief that this is about people. It's not about advancing one person or one one television show. This is why it has to be done very gently because with no integrity, it takes away the credibility and it can't. It has to have all of those components and it will because it's, it's what Team Templar yeah. is about. And with that going and being intact and going forward, we will only work with somebody who wants to come in and maintain all of that. And I truly believe if it all remains intact, it's going to be one of the greatest stories ever told. Yeah, it'll be a yeah. real blessing to whoever picks this up to tell this story because they're going to be given information that people have never seen before or in access to sites that very few have seen that even even realize what's there. Mm -hmm. So it not only benefits history, it will benefit quite a few other people. It'll 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 help a lot of people out. And it's mm -hmm. it's such a great adventure to tell the truth and to be able to work directly with Sean one on one and in person and and yourself, Michelle. It, mm -hmm. It's it's a it's just an amazing story in itself. Yeah, it's unfolding, isn't it? So, Sean, you have all these pictures that you have to look through. How difficult wow. is it to be able to, it's not like being on site, you know, but you are a master of your craft. Therefore, how, how do you find it easier? Do you find it really difficult to go through some of these photos to be able to validate at a glance? Well, I'm looking for certain things you know like how you know the shape of an incision for instance and trying to work out you know the size of chisel used uh, simple things like that mm. what they often used wooden mallets and uh i when i'm carving stone or doing a piece of sculpture or something i use it nylon it, it's they're, they're really good. I use a nylon mallet, but prior to that, it was wooden mallets. And many, the thing is, had the Templar Masons or the Templar, I, I don't think there was many with them. I think there was perhaps a handful of what they call Templar Masons. 
mm. and that they would have been doing the, you know, the carving and the stone dressing with specific knowledge, and that was how they worked. But as I said before, they took one of the very similar vow to the Templars themselves. And, you know, that is apparent in a lot of the the early cathedrals that the Templars were involved in building. Uh, say Bernard of Clairvaux, for instance, had mm. a, one of his uh, brothers, one of the uh, Cistercian brothers, was involved in training stonemasons in Germany, for instance. And, you know, the, the there, there was a specific denomination of Templar masons and other 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 um, crafts as well, joiners and lay brothers. And it was a huge, huge complex, almost like a state within a state, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's why I think they became dangerous to the status quo uh, as i discussed with uh, wayne before their raison d'etre was to re-establish the house of king david you know mm -hmm. and in many cases some of these knights had more in common with uh jerusalem than they did with europe even though they were of european descent so you have a lot of cross uh pollination shall we say of cultures going on here and mm. you know i think that was not seen as a as a problem i mean uh, and i think that's why when they were looking into you know native americans for instance they probably ended up getting getting on well with them mm -hmm. but as i said there's a deeper level to that in as much as i think that there's almost a biblical connection between the knights and where the Native Americans came from originally. You know, they weren't always there. Many of them journeyed from other places to get there, migrated, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And there's such a diversity of uh, of of cultures within within them that you know you'd you'd have to be mad to think anything otherwise, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, different ways that they they dress, different hairstyles, different, so many different denominations of culture. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's no smoke without fire, that they knew where these these peoples came from. There was, there was a, 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 a sect of biblical information that mm -hmm. they all shared from, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have specific evidence for that, but I'll find it because say not yet, I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, digging, I'm digging through Andrew's papers as well all the time, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it's almost you know you could write you could write uh, huge volumes on this stuff, but mm -hmm. we have to make it so that it's accessible to to all, you know. No, I I agree. Do you find a lot of um, the information with this discovery have you found a lot in andrew's papers i have yeah absolutely without a doubt and i've also got the scientific establishment version of events as well in mm -hmm. carbon dating processes that he was involved in paying for as an absolutely number one premium academic from cambridge you know mm -hmm. where he was a where he was a don so We've got that side 
you know, to our sword as well. We're a two-edged sword. We, uh, mm. Myself and Wayne and, and you and, and Hamilton and Amelia, we've, mm. you know, we've got that side balanced out with the, uh, you know, the, the heavy academic stuff from Andrew. So mm -hmm. it's pulling it together and, you know, go, going forward in with the team, you know. I think it's great. If I'm, and I believe... Um, that Carl will be coming on board. I have a meeting with them this afternoon. So I think you have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people coming together, but in a way it's almost as though Andrew is a part of all of this, because I think with you using his research, it's sort of bringing him into, um, it's sort of bringing him into, into light, his research to light. You're, you're essentially, you know, visualizing a dream for him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because we talked about this uh, as well, but you know, it's as he used to recount to me, he used to say, and uh, you know, something Sean, he said, it's, uh, it's all in the great chain of the living and the dead. Uh, mm. We may think, you know, we're different to some extent, Mm -hmm. in, in 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 the way we are but it's surprising how wise the dead are you know need and, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah you know <laughs> from 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 things that happen from those that have passed over and you know you 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 get leads and, and again you know this is about the nature of of time and he's involved in my 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 book as well which i'm not saying too much about at the moment but that's going to be right. released quite soon right and we're all on uh uh we're all on in the right direction with that and mm -hmm. gonna you we're gonna be meeting some very interesting characters as well that are mm -hmm. involved in uh in 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 this uh culturally and technically shall we say mm -hmm. but that's that's off that's on another path oh that's that's the next show yes yeah uh, Amelia makes a good point here. She goes, I often wonder how many North Americans are descendants of these knights who ventured here and are literally unaware. Very possible, obviously. You know, they, I think they definitely would have integrated. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? How, how I know exactly what Amelia means because, mm -hmm. you know, people, there's a there's a crying out of a return to a sense of chivalry and something that a code of practice shall we say that everybody can be involved in and many many people come come forward with i wonder if one of my ancestors was uh was a was a knight or could because it's almost like they want something good to be ev in, uh, involved mm. with Mm -hmm. And when I say good, I don't mean weak, but I mean something that was uh, a code of practice, a code of chivalry, certain things that you did, certain other things that you didn't do. Something grand. And something grand and knowledge yeah. of yeah. knowledge of, Bibli of the Bible and biblical proportions and what the Templars were about and how mm -hmm. they lived their lives, the philosophy of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's being really kicked out of the West hasn't it really uh, oh. with the stuff that's going on at the moment and you know we want a, a, a resurrection of a, a, of a formula for mm. helping us to 
exist more more harmoniously. I, I agree with you, and I think it's also going to tell a deeper story of really what they're about. A lot of people really don't have any idea what the Knights Templar really were about. There's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of what you see in media, yeah. which is why it's so important moving forward with this discovery that the story be told accurately. Because, like I say, for I don't know how many times I've corrected people, you know, with just basic Templar history. So it's and that's stuff that's already out there, and people just, you know, like, oh, didn't they do this or didn't they do this? No, <laughs> they did not. <laughs> so you yeah. know, it gets a when, little personal. Um, you're, you're, yeah, when you were talking about uh, integration, I was talking. Yeah researcher in Quebec and it took a while for him to trust me obviously because he didn't know me and and I said do you have any knowledge of, of integration and he said yes it's in his family he said that the Vikings and the Norse integrated with the Abernathy and the Templars uh, integrated with the Mi'kmaq mm -hmm. and I said are you sure and, and he said yeah he says I, I, I have the history he says I can prove that and I says, so they didn't go the other way? He says, no. He says, they were pretty specific in, in where they integrated with mm. and whom they integrated with. And he wouldn't tell me why, but he right. was very specific who integrated with whom. Mm. So, mm, right. right. I know the story just gets better. The plot thickens, as they say. And um, moving forward, it looks like there's going to be quite a journey ahead so before because i know we're, we're we're counting down to the last few minutes so let's go with um last words before we sign off and remember people are going to be watching tonight this is going to be playing also i'm going to stream it to the team templar north america one of the facebook pages the bigger one so right there great absolutely La fabulous well, ju just to uh, again say thanks to everybody and, uh, you know, uh, hang on to this great journey. Uh, we're all going on it together and it's going to get uh, very, very interesting and very, very satisfying as well. I agree. It's been a real honor to, uh, to be able to talk to everyone tonight and to bring this story forward. And it's a, it's a humbling experience, and thank you. And this is fantastic. If anybody does have information that they feel um, should be included in this discovery, you can contact Sean or Wayne. Um, if it's media-related, you have to contact me, and you all know how to do that. So, um, you know, if you want to interact on the social media pages. There are two Team Templar North America pages. Everybody is really great at adding content. Amelia's got her eye on you, so no horsing around, I'll <laughs> tell you that. But, um, you know, I, I think like, I, I like how it's you worded it, Sean. This is a journey that everyone's coming along on. It's not gonna be one of those, those locations. I mean, can you just go and visit it? No, of course not. 
it's like, you know, you don't go to an archaeological site and thinking everybody can have a hand in it. However, it's not going to be the type of archaeological site where nothing is divulged. Discoveries are going to be made. And the idea here is to tell the story so everybody can be involved. And Amelia gives a big thank you both so much for this honor. Absolutely. So with that being said, guys, we've come to the end of the segment and it will air live tonight. So everyone, I have to read the normal, my normal blip as I always do. Uh, so big thank you to the guys for um, joining us this evening. Thank you. Wealth of information. My gosh, you guys have given us a lot to think about. Big thank you to Folgers. Big thank you to Dr. Snick. We appreciate you so much. If you guys like what you're seeing on whichever platform that you are on and watching the shows, please give us a like or subscribe to the channels. The Outer Realm has a channel. Of course, the network has several channels. Go in and give us a subscribe because it, it means a lot to us and it helps us to grow. If you'd like to contact us via email, theouterrealmcontact at gmail.com the outer realm contact at gmail.com and we are looking for dang commercials do it it'll be fun Folgers yes has to be Folgers so um, we will play it on the show as you can see it's it's great and they'll just randomly show up through different segments um, so they're just going to keep on going they're going to be in the archives which means they never go away they're going to remain in the archives. Uh, next week, please tune in. Wednesday evening, we welcome the return of Charles Christian, all the way from the UK, who's going to be sharing more tales of folklore with us. And Thursday evening, we welcome back Peter Penagore, who's going to be wowing us further with information on NDE's mystical experiences, the afterlife, and more. So until then, all of you behave. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next week. Good night. Bye, everybody. Of all the lessons that we were taught in school, one of the most memorable was that in 1492, Christopher Columbus discovered North America. Since then, many theories have come forth challenging Columbus's claim. But to make any of these theories possible, we must first take a look at the countries that were even capable of taking on such an endeavor. Who would have dared to cross the turbulent Atlantic to reach this new world? Who would venture into the uncharted territory seeking its untold wealth and resources? The Phoenicians, in their search for not only gold, silver, but copper, iron, tin, and lead? The Norse seafarers, sometimes called Vikings, in their conquest of land and wealth? The Scottish and Welsh, who have been mentioned in medieval Catholic journals as traveling to this new world, and whose motivations are still unknown. The French, to establish a new colony and capitalize on the region's vast resources. The English, wishing to extend the crown's influence and power in the new world. Or even more compelling, a place of safe harbor for a disbanded but spirited organization of brothers whose will and purpose was greater than the slaughter of its ranks. A place in the New World for refugees from their attack and betrayal on October 13, 1307. Was this a place for refugees that would put them beyond papal reach 
and papal bulls. Could this place of medieval building techniques, with its symbols and alignments, be reflective of Templar activity in the Old World? Could this be one of the many places in the region that became home for the remnants of the Knights Templar themselves? Since first making the discovery on a cold winter day in the mid-1980s, these were among the questions that were on the mind of lead investigator and tribal elder Wayne Murphy. together is that correct well it was a it's quite an inter interesting thing the way this happened and um in a it, about the 1980s i was hunting back in the woods um we had a large snowstorm and me and my brother were back there and we had about a foot of snow uh, he went his way i went mine and, and anybody who's a hunter appreciates having some snow and ground cover and things like that but I was going to a, to a new area that I've hunted for years. But I came in from a different way this time. And as I was approaching this area, I could see the river where I wanted to be. But I noticed that the land didn't look right. And, um, and as I got closer, you got to be careful going through a foot of snow because you just don't know what's underneath it. All of a sudden, I come to a rock ledge. Oh, wow. and, and as I got closer, I said, holy man, this is about 30 feet down. So I made my way around and um, I came upon this cave, which I call the cave, having no experience at all in Templars and things like that. So I did the smart thing. I, th I, th I threw a large stick inside because we have wolves and bears and mountain lions. And when they didn't throw it back out, I felt pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I went in. And once I got in there, I realized that this wasn't... Um, your natural cave because the walls were flat and square at 90 degrees. never about the catch it's always about the hunt the chase looking for and finding and it's never about the catch it's always the hunt <laughs> 